Hi there and welcome to episode 85 of the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. Today I'm bringing to you an incredible human being in Heather Younger. She's a TEDx speaker, author and also entrepreneur and just a really amazing high energy giving human being. And I came across her due to the Humans First movement um, that Mike McCandy set up just over 12 months ago. And a couple of the key takeaways I wanted to share with you in advance, just to whet your appetite from this discussion. Heather shared that my purpose in life was solidified during that merger process. I needed to be the voice for those who weren't at the table or didn't feel confident enough to use their voice to advocate for themselves. It's so powerful for me, and this strikes straight to the heart of safety within organizations and an organizational silence. And I'm just so impressed and inspired by Heather and how she picks up that mantle for other human beings um, and those that she works with. Also, she spoke about, and again, this is such a powerful comment for me personally, we need to meet people where they are, and sometimes we have to meet them inside of our own brokenness to meet them in their brokenness. This is just such a fundamental uh, reflection for me personally. So often we're running around putting sticky plasters on organisations. We're putting in place an intervention or a new process or a new piece of technology, but quite often without getting to the root cause that maybe a senior leader or just a colleague is actually stuck so far inside their head that they're afraid to speak up, to challenge the status quo, to talk about the issue, the repeated issue that they're seeing within the organisation that we just run around putting sticky plasters on fundamental broken areas. And quite often those broken areas are our own thinking about ourselves uh, or the relationships we can have at work. So two really, really powerful um, intros, I feel, from this conversation. I really hope that you join Heather and I. Um, we're always welcome for feedback, um, challenge, constructive or otherwise, and uh, enjoy the conversation between myself and Heather Younger. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. And I have a very, very cool human on the opposite side of the world to talk to you and I this evening in Heather Younger, who is the founder of Customer Fanatics. Good evening, Heather. Well, hello there. So excited to be on with you. I love that. Love that smile. I know everybody can't see that, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> You're very generous, Heather. You're very generous. For those that may not know you yet uh, from my audience, would you mind taking a couple of minutes just to explain a little bit more, you know, who is Heather and how did Customer Fanatics come into being? I'd love to learn a bit more about that. Oh, well, that's, that's, wow, that's, whew, that goes way back. And some of this we'll talk about, I think, later. But the, uh, the reason why I formed Customer Fanatics, so Heather is basically, Customer Fanatics is Heather at this point. Uh, I have people that work with me, but I don't have a full team. And so I'm a solopreneur uh, with people supporting me, let's put it that way. Um, and I created the company because I, I had been working for, to be honest, too many managers who were jerks and or uh, people who would come to me and their managers were jerks. And they were always questioning what was happening inside the workplace and no one was ever communicating with them. And they always would just come to me and I looked to me as kind of their advocate and their voice. So um, I was going through, I was working at a company and they were going through a, a merger of five companies and through the merger, all of this mistrust pop up, popped up and people were just asking tons of questions about what was happening with the merger. Nobody was communicating. People have, were having titles. It's the same title was that in, in this state over here. And they were like, well, is this person taking my job? And it was just ugly. So people started to come to me and I went to the head of HR and said, listen, we have got to do something about our 
employee engagement and the trust that's here. And then she said, you, you know what, you're right. You should go do something about that. And I went, what, what? I was running customer experience at the time, external customer experience. And so the head of HR asked me to go about doing the, this employee engagement council. So I did. I did it because I was the advocate internally. I was the people who, person who recognized those who were doing great work, whether they're in my department or not. Um, I didn't see anybody as a competitor. And I just always try to lift, lift people up. And so uh, it made sense for me to do it. And after about six months, it was crazy to see how much trust was built because we did things purposefully to, deal, to build trust. And everybody was excited. But then the merger went downhill. And the culture was just, it just everything just went... And they did a lot of layoffs. And I was one of about 200 people laid off in the initial round. And that was my first time ever being laid off. But I, it, while it was an owie at the time, because I was the main breadwinner of my home, it was the reason, it was kind of, I, my, my purpose in life was solidified during that merger process. And it was that I needed to be the voice for those who either weren't at the table or didn't feel confident enough to, to use their own voices to advocate for themselves and be the voice back to the leaders who actually can change the experience for them. So that's where, that's where I'm at today. And all, everything I do points back to um, the desire to improve the experience for employees who are in the trenches serving corporations around the world. And everything I do points to that. So that's me. That's, that's amazing. I'm really interested because your, your background, you, you did your studies in, uh, originally in political science. I'm just really interested. Is, is there a little bit of an activist in Heather sort of from a young age? Or? Yeah, so political science and then I went to law school. There absolutely is an advocate in, an advocate in Heather. And I think it's, it really, it boils down to um, my background, which I know we'll get to when we talk about one of the next topics. But my background is what leads me to be more of an advocate for others. Okay, so let's get into that now. I think that's great. Because I know we'll talk about your TED Talk on resilience as well. But I'd love to talk, you know, could you tell us a little bit about that origin story? What was it that really sort of give you, gave you that fuel to really want to help those that are maybe not seen, be seen. So I think it's exactly that. As a child, I uh, am from an interracial, interfaith marriage. And my mom is white and she's Jewish. My dad is black and Christian. And uh, when my mom and dad got married, it was literally like a few years before it wasn't even legal for them to be married, but they did so anyway. And my mother's side of the family in particular was not happy about this union. And then I came along and while they you know, loved me in their way, I was an outsider in the family. I was never invited to different events uh, in, my, in the families. I could go to the home, just as long as there's no one else outside the community inside their home with me. Um, my pictures were not on the walls, but my other cousins were. Um, and I was just literally the black sheep. And so a mom occasionally would go to different events and I wouldn't be invited. And I, I always would look around and go, like, what did I do wrong? And you know, do I get a say in this? Like, do I, are you asking my opinion? <laughs> and no one ever did. And at the same time, the backdrop is I was also... Um, I was dealing with some substance abuse issues inside my home as well. And so all of these things made me start to think of what are the leaders, what's the role of the leader? What's the responsibility of the leader? The leader in the home, uh, the leader in the family, the leader in the workplace. Um, and I immediately became the leader of my home in, 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 those, in those situations where I had to be the, the voice of reason, the one that had to pose the question. And so that's, that's really how I got to where I'm at is I had all of this kind of uh, being shut out, uh, obstacles along the way, and this deep feeling that I wasn't good enough, that like I just was never good enough. And so today, I always want to talk to, when I'm talking to you know, leaders and to employees, I'm talking to leaders to say, I need you to do these things that your people feel like they're valued, like they feel respected and heard. 
And I do that in such a powerful and passionate way because I didn't feel valued, respected, and heard. And, and so that is my why for doing what I do down, down to the core of me. Thank you so much for sharing so vulnerably. I think it's, it's so powerful. And I, what I love about you, Heather, is just the energy that fuels you as well. You know, it's, you're just so driven in your mission. So like, how do you sustain that in what is a busy world with a family? And, you know, cause you're, I love your podcast, by the way, um, leadership with heart, which is also awesome. If you're listening to us now, thank you. But do go and subscribe to leadership with heart. It's a fantastic um, podcast. How do you balance all of these amazing things that you're working on and make sure you stay grounded and give yourself enough time for Heather as well? A very good point. Uh, and sometimes I, I falter in that area, right? I'm, I, I, who can be perfect with four kids ages nine to 16, a podcast, a LinkedIn live, writing a book, doing actual client work that pays me to do all those things. So who, who can do that perfectly? No one can. Uh, and so, but what I do, you know, taking walks and making sure that when I'm taking time with family, I'm taking time with family. Um, I can get really, really carried away on these devices. Uh, this device that's here, everybody knows the device I'm talking about where we go on social and we're, we're engaging with people in a hyperactive way. And, and sometimes I just have to pull back and someone will call me or something on a Sunday and they're like, you didn't answer. That was because my phone was way upstairs because otherwise I'd be stuck on it. So I have to give myself a little bit of break and I need to take my walks and, you know, work out in the morning and those kind of things. So that's how I take care of Heather. But the energy, the way I'm able to sustain it is um, my adversity is the thing that propels me. So that deep, that deep feeling of not being good enough never has gone away. So no matter how good everybody else thinks I am, I'm never in my mind quite there. And so, and that's, you can take that from a psychological angle. You can take it any way you want to, but in the end, that thing drives me. It's never gone away whenever it's who I am. So I've just chosen to take, instead of be like, I'm going to be addicted to this and I'm going to be doing these, like all these things that maybe were my past, right? Narrow-minded and, and never forgiving people and all of these things. I've decided to fuel myself with the positivity that came from that and to, um, and to use it to fuel that drive. And so you're right. I have an amazing amount of drive. Sometimes I drive my own self nuts with the level of focus and drive that I have. About, like, I can do this done. <laughs> but one thing I've noticed, and it just happened just recently, literally like today, something happened. But it was something that threw me off because because of that drive and I can be hyper-focused, sometimes I am not as flexible to change in my direction because I am so focused. And so um, the lesson recently is to be like, okay, you have to be open to the grace that's given to you and it may not be the way you think it's going to be given to you. And that's kind of some of the new lessons I'm learning. I learned it through the podcast here when I listen to those amazing leaders, but uh, but for my own learning today, this is something that came up for me. That's so cool. I really appreciate you sharing that. And I think that this comment as well of not being good enough or the belief or the feeling or the, the self-talk, it resonates so much for you as well. You know, part of my fuel for this podcast, um, Heather, 18 months ago starting it was literally I just couldn't find the, com the real conversations out there around stuff like, hang on, I had low self-worth. I was bullied as a kid, didn't talk about it for 30 years. Like, but there's no one talking about this stuff still, even in 2019. So I started my podcast, you know, you're doing your great work. And I just, I wonder in your opinion and with the work you do, do you feel that the dial is moving on people getting more comfortable to talk about emotion and origin stories as a way to try and connect and be a better leader? Is, that, is there a shift coming, do you think? I think there's a shift in those that are actually initiating it, like people like us, um, the Humans First Club members, we are initiating a shift. Um, 
I do think that there's more awareness on the part of leaders because we are, uh, people like us are everywhere now, talking about it everywhere you go look. There's more of awareness of how are they in relation to the people they lead. Um, so how are they in their own skin in relation to that? I think that's something that's changed. What I don't, I don't know if the vulnerability part is actually something that's changed because uh, you really have to change an organizational culture and organizational mindset around it being okay to open up about those failures. Um, like on my show, I talk a lot. I talk to these leaders who I'm sure aren't used to doing it. And some of them are uncomfortable and some of them skirt the issue. When I ask them about specific stories about times when they weren't the best leaders and what they did to come out of it, some will openly tell you, and that's that level of vulnerability. And some you have to kind of go, okay, I want really specific. And what often, what I found in some of my research, in this research, of, it's qualitative research talking to these leaders is, People want to disassociate screwing up with their current state, okay? So like it would be harder for maybe a leader to admit that like yesterday I screwed up. But now I can tell you about stories when I was early on in my leadership career when I messed up because that gives me distance between not being perfect and now, right? But the issue that vulnerability you're looking for is to be vulnerability right now, maybe about something that just happened in the moment, not just about our past, but about our present state right so that's the part i don't have an issue with that i'm probably, I'm probably actually to the extreme of that where i'm oversharing when i'm screwing up all the time you know and i'm wanting them to tell me like just tell me like tell me because when you tell me you are going to connect with the people that are around you in such a way which is what you're getting to gary is you're going to connect with them in such a deep way by sharing right now how you screwed up versus how it is that you did when you were 20 years old and now you're 40. So it's interesting having that distance between our, imperf our imperfection and our current state versus our past and our imperfections. Wow, that's a really powerful reflection because I'm now thinking for myself, you know, I'm just starting the last six months to talk about my origin story as a way to try and help others know it's okay to do that. But at the same time, yeah, I guess I am doing a bit of the stuff around, for example, we had a Humans First EMEA hangout a couple of weeks ago and I recorded a video um, and put that out as part of the blog to say, actually, I should have asked for help because I was really under pressure. I was getting anxious. I've got too many things going on. Why didn't I ask Mike or Kevin to, to run the, the call for me? But at that point in time, I, for whatever reason, I just felt I couldn't. Like, I'm the face of this. I should have been the one to lead it. And it was just a really interesting moment. You've got me thinking about that is actually, do I rely on the past vulnerability story, am I actually role modeling it today? And I think I do role model it today, but I love the challenge. I love that reflection. You can live, mm. you can sort of use the historic story, but almost detach yourself from it, or are you actually owning the current story? I think that's really powerful, Heather. Well, thank you. I, I, it's, it's just something that's become more obvious to me now that I'm at the like, I've you know, interviewed what, over 90 people, and I'm asking that same question to all of them, and I'm seeing how each of them responds to it. And it's, this is not a negative, um, you know, view of any of the people in the show. They're all brilliant in their own right. And, and what I love about it, there's, a, there's a definitely a deep psychology that's involved in the, having that conversation where, where you see the, some people skirt and some people be more open and out because you can almost maybe see how that might play out in the workplace when they're sitting across from an employee. Uh, we need to meet people where they are. And sometimes you have to meet them inside of our own brokenness to meet them in their brokenness and we have to talk about our brokenness right there and that's uncomfortable for many many people 
<laughs> Powerful. No, thank you. Honestly, wonderful. There's, there's, there's my selfish learning for the day. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, I think a nice, nice segue here, actually, to your TED Talk that you um, delivered recently around resilience. Would you mind speaking to that a bit? Because I see there's a little bit of a, a link there between what we've just spoken about and, and resilience. Yes. So uh, the TED Talk, I talk about my background as I give my story and then I share other people's stories um, on adversity. So the, the title is called Transforming Adversity into Opportunity. Mm -hmm. And uh, funny enough, so a little background, when I decided to do that talk, at first, I had, I had submitted a couple times a year before that for a talk that was more specifically in my area on employee loyalty and leadership. And they were too narrow because the audience I was talking to primarily were those who lead people. And I decided to do the TED Talk this way because I knew it needed to be a very broad topic that touched pretty much everybody on the planet, anybody who'd be in the audience. <clears throat> and so I knew that everyone, whether now, later, whatever, but pretty much everybody in the past has had some kind of obstacle or challenge they've had to overcome. And oftentimes um, what happened with me is I had really gotten kind of fed up, like up to my neck in hearing news stories about suicides and school bombings and just like the whoa, people are doing this because of their past. And I said, wait a second, I've had a shitty past. Did I go and become a this and a that and a this and a that? No, I made a different choice. So the talk is really about uh, and if you happen to be somebody who tends to lean towards victimhood, you may be offended by the talk, but it is really about, let's not make excuses. Uh, let's not be, let's stop being victims. Um, there are ways for us to reframe our thinking about what's currently happening or what happened in the past and what we can do about it now. That's the gist of it. And so it's funny because when I talk to executive leaders or talk to employees or any group really, I find myself helping them reframe. So they may be complaining that leaders aren't, more, aren't responsive enough. And I'll say, I hear you, and we can keep talking about that, or we can figure out what it is we can do, you individually sitting in your chair, can do to move forward a, a culture, be the change you're seeking. And I have to do that with executive leaders and I'm coaching, same thing. Their sphere of influence is here, okay? But then they don't have all of this sphere, and they want a bigger sphere. And so, well, you have the sphere you have. So let's own the sphere you have now and figure out how we can work through it in a more productive way and get where you want to go in your sphere, because you can control that. And so that was literally kind of what this, this talk really boils down to is you can control your mindset and your behaviors and in the end, the results you get. And it's all about taking those things that you appear to be but barriers and obstacles and just leaping the heck over. And that's it. It's, it's lovely. I, me I, remember, I remember when it first came out and I, I watched it and I was just A, dumbfounded by your vulnerability to share again your, your story, which I thought was amazing. But I do love how you speak, Heather, to the accountability part because I think we are brought up, I certainly, when, like I say, when I was bullied, self-harmed, I've got my own story, but I blamed me for that stuff happening instead of just going, actually, it just happened. You know, it's not causal on my well-being. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person, but I think we, we code onto these stories. Mm -hmm. and, and I just wonder from your mm -hmm. side, do you see that within the work you do? Like, do you see that senior leaders or CEOs are still walking around with these stories that they're not acknowledging? Or letting yes, go. I, I, yes, I definitely, I absolutely think that every single person on this planet, every single person, including me, I just told you my adversity is the thing that drives me forward. My not good enough is a thing that propels me. I just chose to reframe how I think about that, right? So yes, every person I talk to has something they need to be rethinking. Uh, they have a mindset shift that, that they need to have. I don't care how much they get paid. I don't care if they get paid 20 million a year. They still have their own thing and they have to reframe out of. 
Um, it may have, and again, it could be their thing. It could be adversity. It may not be. It could be so many different things. And we all are in that place. So I always tell people, like, none of us are outside of this discussion, which is why I gave that talk. And so that all of us can sit and think to ourselves, what is it right now that's stopping me from becoming my best self? What is it that's stopping me from becoming the best leader in and out and inside of my home or inside the workplace? Um, and, and nine times out of 10, it is us. It is our minds in most cases. And once we decided to step outside that and switch the script, we change our entire reality. We just do. It's lovely. Uh, it really resonates, Heather. I've got a bit of a random question. You know, I'm quite a random person. I love it. <laughs> how did you, can you remember how you felt before walking on the stage at TED? Nervous as heck. I am not going to joke. I, part of it was, here's what this, there's, there's all these things that were going on. There's a, again, there's a psychology that was going on in, uh, in it uh, related to this being good enough. That was there. That was there. And so in the talk, when I was talking about it, that's truly it, right? It's there. It's the crux of it. Um, but then there was also like, I, there were, I felt like there was so much built up in my mind that I, that I needed to be perfect. I had to deliver this perfectly because I thought, well, when I do this perfectly, uh, then all of a sudden, like the world's going to open up and this door is going to appear out of like, like Narnia, you know, the Chronicles of Narnia is going to appear and I'm going to step through it and life changes. You know, all, it, it, it sounds silly. I know it does. I put so much stock in it. And in the end, I walk on that stage and I'm nervous as heck and the lights are bright. And at first I can't see and I start to focus and I connect eyes with a couple people in the audience. And all of a sudden it all melted away. And I was Heather and I was having a conversation with my employees and I was having a conversation with the leaders in my sessions. And I was, and that's what was happening as I was looking at them. And I just felt true connection happening. And I was making sure that at one point you'll see there was a mezzanine in this place. It was a gorgeous stage, but there was a mezzanine. And I look up because I see only like five people at the highest part. Cause like no one's up there. They're all down on the lowest level. It, it can seat about 700 people, but there are only maybe like 400 people in there. And so I, I, at one point I look up, I glance up to make sure that the people up there know I haven't forgotten about them. And that's totally Heather style. Like it's absolutely Heather style. I am a, con I connect, I engage at a very deep, deep level with people around me. And, um, and so it was just, it was, as I see myself after the fact, I'm like, I'm doing, that's exactly what I was doing. I was doing. This is exactly when I got comfortable because I was, I looked out and I saw people's eyes. And at that point I'm talking to them and I'm, I'm telling them, listen, you can step through the adversity that's in your life. Listen, any challenge you have, you can, and here's exactly how you do it. And this is what I did. And here's how other people did it too, you know, and um, that storytelling, I felt very grateful to be able to tell those stories as I did. Honestly, you're such an inspiration, Heather. You just, oh, I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm an energetic person. I want to bottle up what you've got and sell it on eBay for like me. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. Uh, I just love, love, love what I do. I'm super blessed to be doing what I do in everything I do. I mean, I just, I, I, my room, my, my office is a total star right now. I'm like, I'm a mess. Uh, um, I don't, I, if you, if anybody could see me, you can't, I have no makeup on. I don't think I, I don't have no earrings on. I'm in a workout attire. I am just, you know, I move at a lightning speed. I do a lot of stuff. I am driven, but, um, but at the same time, I just, the work, it's funny that you said that. So here's this, I belong to this group called No Longer Virtual. So um, Melissa Hughes is in it, Sarah Elkins, and there's quite a bit of us that you know are in it. And I, you probably, people can't see this, but there's a picture. They had us last, the last time, we'll be doing it again in March in Chicago. 
But the last time they had us do this thing where we had, we post, they, they printed up our picture and they posted it on the wall. And every, all the attendees at this very small select conference, then towards the end of the conference, go around and write down words that describe that person. And so, so uh, um, amazing energy was one of the things they said. Radiant, genuine, passionate, inspiring, energizing, positive, bright energy, a beacon of light, compassionate, warm, welcome. And I keep this in front of me. It's been in here since last year. And I keep it in front of me when I'm feeling bad about myself or like I'm not good enough or my energy's low. And I look at that and I go, okay, wait a second. Like I'm, I'm wait a second. I'm a bale of brilliant energy. I'm compassionate, warm and welcoming. You know, those, so I use those words. So I think it's, I, I appreciate you saying that. I'm not going to discount what you just said. I, I, I really appreciate that. The energy's there and the passion's behind it. So. And how does that, how does that make you feel that, and do you feel it's congruent? Do you feel that how other people see you is actually how you see yourself if you allow yourself to get past that negative self-talk that pops up in all of our minds from time to time? It is because, uh, because I reframe all the time and those who go watch the TED talk, because I reframe all the time, my energy is high because I choose to keep it there. Mm -hmm. So uh, like if someone comes to me and they're in like in a real negative spot, uh, I'll try to listen to them if they're being rational. But if they're not being rational and it takes my energy down, I have to, I have to bypass it for a little bit, a little bit until they can be more rational. And then I want to sit with them and I want to be able to talk and, and help them work through their issues. But when they come to me in an irrational place, uh, meaning like they're not trying to um, think through what what uh, the objective way or path it is for them to go. I'm an emotional person. I'm highly emotional. Um, empathy, empath is my number one strength, okay? When you look at strengths finders. Uh, but at the same time, I've learned over time that I have to kind of distance myself from emotion or else I become consumed by it and it can be the negative side. So yes, people perceive me this way. And it is absolutely my way. And am I always positive? Absolutely not. Do I fall into deep holes? Not often, but absolutely not. I'm not perfect in that area. But when I describe myself as a keynote speaker focusing on leadership, positive mindset, and employee engagement, that is my truth. And when they had all these uh, things about energy and all that, that is my truth. And it's the truth I've created for myself. See, it's a mindset thing. I created for myself. So here, here's a little twist on the TED Talk. So while I was working, uh, while I uh, was doing this, they have, they have coaches that work with you on these TEDxs. And, and some of the coaches are paid. Some of the volunteer just depends on the level, the level that that particular TEDx is. So they had me assigned to a coach there. And I also was working with a paid coach, a coach I was paying on another, on my first international talk at Brazil. And, um, she was working with me there and then I found out about the TED talk. So I had her help me there. Well, during this process, she was giving me direction to go one way. And this coach that was the, uh, the TEDx was giving me direction to go another way. And while she's a great person, she doesn't know me and she hadn't spent as not enough time with me, but, but the story itself lent itself to a lot more drama than I, than I gave on that stage. Like I could have, I, I deleted one whole facet of my background uh, because I, somebody that would impact begged me not to. So I didn't, uh, the, the place that I included was already in my first book, so it was fine for me to really go there. I could have added more drama. I could have gotten teary-eyed. I could have shown more anger. And one coach was leaning me to go that way. And the other coach was like, listen, I've worked with you on this Brazil talk. I've, I've had like five virtual coffees with you, and you are more of a optimistic realist. You're someone who is, you're more upbeat, like kind of as you just talk about, right? 
So if you get on there and you start acting very victim-y and very angry and crying, it really goes against who you are. And in the end, it goes against my message. The message was stop being victims, stop making excuses. Over, over, basically leap over the negative negativity in your mindset and, and change that and you choose that. So everything I do now is so funny because every time I talk now, my message is really evolving. And it is, even though I've always said leaders, you're responsible for leaders have the power. And I've always had that, that kind of concept of leaders have the power to change the employee's experience. Now it's more about, it's not always leaders based upon title. It's everyone gets to choose how they make anyone around them feel. So that the person who's in HR, who isn't a manager, who's a specialist, gets to choose how the employee who comes in their office feels when they leave, if they're coming to ask about a benefit question. Um, if someone who you're, you're just a, it's a coworker and you make a, you know, you treat somebody like, you know what, and they come out feeling like that and you choose that. And when you choose that, and many people choose that, then you make people want to leave the organization so that we all choose how we get people to stay in our organization based upon the emotions that we leave them feeling. So that is my main platform now. And it's, and it's evolution and it's because of wisdom. It's like time, like, right. It's, it's been over time. And that's where I'm at. So I appreciate you, you know, shining a light on that and asking about that if I feel that it's congruent. And I do think it is. It's, it's so cool because one of the words that I've heard you use that probably more than any is choice. And I think that's really, really powerful, particularly in the hyper-fast, hyper-connected, always-on society that we are living in. There's definitely an external element to that. But do we choose yeah. How often do we believe we've got a choice and how often do we step into that choice? Yep. Love it. Absolutely love it. And it's funny because I talk to you or on any other podcast, right? There are these things that are illuminated inside my own mind. Sometimes there's so much clarity. Um, I did one, oh, with, uh, it was the Guinea Unstuck podcast and that one, and that one, I, it was, it was a really good, like each time I talk to you, you know, somebody, you just bring out different things that make me go, huh. You know, hmm, that's that's what I'm about, or that's what I'm doing, or whatever. <laughs> so I appreciate that this these, this stuff is resonating with you for sure. It's it really does resonate though, because I think you know, back to your thing, like you're saying, like we can look at systems, processes, structures, culture, purpose, values, all this stuff. It's all good stuff, but mm-hmm. I wonder sometimes if we're looking we the royal we so often we're taught even through the education system to focus on a result which means x rather than which is outside of us rather than actually what are you telling yourself about you because if we started there before we start layering up all this excess thinking about all this other stuff i wonder if we'd be able to get back to that space that you're trying to show people towards quicker mm-hmm. yes yeah i do it's interesting because even this this kind of book I'm going down the road on, um, the first half of it is really about leading ourselves uh, first before we, before we even attempt to lead others. And what does that look like? And what are the kind of the key elements of it? And, and I do think, and, and so the very first part of that, besides knowing, understanding our purpose and our why in this world is understanding what our mindset currently is and, and how much control we have to change that. I do do a lot of this work. So what I'm working, executive coaching is not the main Thing I do, but it ends up being where people want me to be a lot of times uh, after I've done other stuff, right? And so when I find them, when I'm working with them, often what they find to be the most powerful are the, the, the ways that I can help them shift their mindset and just kind of like the tweaking that the little shifts and the, 
uh, the buttons in the brain that I help them turn on and off. Uh, so I do think that so much of this is minds, it's mindset and choice. It really is. I mean, just, let's just think about all the stuff we talk about in humans first and, um, in the world. And we talk about, uh, you know, the cruelty or the status quo, uh, of what, what it is like to work as an employee in a, in a, in a large organization or anything. And in the end, if you would like go back and look at the root cause to me, the root cause is about, uh, the, the mindset that the leaders have and the choices that they make. And um, because if I had, I can think back on the places I've left. In most cases, the place I've left is because of people that I was reporting to. Okay. So that's probably almost like, besides the one I was laid off from, all the other ones were that way. So I can think about those different instances and, and how, what they did and what they failed to do which is how I start off my podcast. My intro always says what, you know, what leaders do and what they fail to do, what they say and what they fail to say. And I think it is uh, really about that. And it's, so it's, it's their mindset that they have. What is my responsibility to make sure I improve the experience for those under my charge and the choices they make? What am I actually going to do today, starting today to change it? Not just in my mind now, but now what am I actually going to do? I'm gonna, sh I'm gonna come to this person. I'm gonna come more to the center with this person. I'm absolutely buzzing, Heather Younger, and I tell you why. I'm just hearing you and feeling what you're saying. And I think you've just defined for me an alternative view on the inclusion agenda, which is instead of labels and colors and genders, what if we just started with mindset and choices we're making? No matter where you are in the hierarchy, in the world, no matter what your age is, what if we started every conversation? with what is your mindset right now and what choices you're currently making. That just busts open the whole DNI conversation. Wow. Yes, I can see that. And now, of course, I don't do a lot of DNI. Of course, for me, I do, you know, I do voice the employee. And so it ends up being where I put where these things, the DNI stuff comes up, but I'm not a DNI specialist by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I am a voice of the employee expert, like voice of the employee is my thing. That's what I do. I can do it all day with my eyes closed. And, um, and that's just because it's because of my background started, started, started as a child and hasn't ended. But I do think again, this mindset and choice thing is not something that came to me until just maybe in the last year. I, I look back before the Ted talk. I didn't know I was going to give that Ted talk. I, I did an article. I had a client, two existing, one existing client, one referral that called me in and they wanted me to do a talk like this. And I hadn't even had arranged the keynote. I hadn't even written it. But I, I was at that point, I was feeling pulled to tell my story and how I kind of overcame some of the stuff that's happened. And it, they were both very well received. And then I wrote an article about that experience and then it sat there. It literally is on Thrive Global, that article. And I, and it just sat there and I haven't even think, it didn't think anything more of it and then didn't go in that direction, kept going down my path. And then this came up and I went, wait a second, I have, I think I have, I think this is probably what needs to be said. It may not be square on what people were used to he hearing me say, but it's what needs to be said. <laughs> so I think that's, so this idea of mindset and choice, which is where I started over a year ago and where I you know, ended with that. And now my last keynote I gave to a group of HR people was all about, you choose, you choose. You may not have the best executive leadership team. You might not even have the most resources in your organization to achieve certain things that maybe I talk about in my book or whatever, right? 
but you can choose from day to day an employee walks in your room, your office to do something, to achieve things. You can choose that. You can choose what programs you put into place, even if they're low, low budget type of programs that impact people in a big way. You choose. And when you do that to people, I did the same thing in Brazil when I was there, what, last March or whatever. And all of a sudden the people, and they're like, so they're, they have like translators. And at the end, we come to a book signing and the person says, so what you're actually saying to us is that as leaders, we kind of choose what this looks like. And it's not about our executive team. And it's not about the limits we have placed on us in the organization. And I'm like, you're, you're exactly right. That's exactly what I'm saying to you. And I know that's true. You know why I know that's true? So I'm not just saying this from a, like a, from a uh, academic perspective, because I did it. Mm-hmm. I, I've done it over the years. It's the one thing I'm really good at is engaging with employees, right? So I did it. I chose it no matter what was happening. Was I perfect? Absolutely not. Well, I will be the first to tell you that. And my people will probably be the first to tell you that. But I do know this. They love me to this day and I love them, even though I'm not working with them anymore. And it's because I was there for them. I did the things I train on, the things I talk about. So I'm not just saying to go do it and I haven't done it. It's so powerful. One of the, why, why I'm so yeah, really connected to what you're saying right now, Heather, as well, is that there's so many linkages for me between that accountability, that choice, that self-leadership, that mindset, but also the courage. And I think the courage to show up and to say, I believe there's a better way, no matter where you sit within a business or even your familiar, you know, your family life, to actually say, I believe this can be better and I am going to take this action to bring that to life, which I've done within my work organization, you've done throughout your life. I think people don't give themselves enough permission sometimes, Heather. I wonder what you think about that or if you challenge that. Uh. I, I, I would probably be aligned with your thinking. I think people, people don't give themselves enough permission. I think it, just speaking to our friend, Mike, uh, you know, and you know, he's a trailblazer and he's someone who's, who makes you rethink things in a totally different way. Um, he even, I need permission again, someone like, like me, and I'm not saying like me cause I'm not a Brene Brown. I'm saying like me because people see me as a strong, very strong, courageous person. Right. And yes, I am those things but I'm much more than that. I'm more than what appears here. And um, so giving myself permission to go, I don't have to make a choice or I don't have to take that person's path. I, I can take both paths or I can take my path and this path. I can do, so having that flexibility to iterate who, you, who we are um, and to say, we have the permission, like we give ourselves permission to do those changes, to be that, to be those, to have a different mindset, to be, to make those different choices. This is one of those moments where I look at the clock and go, oh, like, <laughs> we're just getting going, Heather. Like we're sort of like 30 minutes, 40 minutes in. So I don't even know anymore, to be honest. But, it's, but I do want to give a shout out. You, you mentioned him a couple of times. So thanks to Mike McKenty for the Humans First movement he's created. It's how I've met you um, and so many other great people the last few months. Um, as we start to wrap up, I do like to ask this sometimes. Who or what is inspiring you the most right now? It doesn't need to be big. It doesn't need to be grand. It could be something really local and micro. But what's really giving you hope or energizing you in particular right now? I'd probably have to say my children. Uh, Each of them in their own right. Uh, I have two that are just super, super driven. They kind of put me to shame. I mean, I look like a little slouch around them. One of them always asks me, like, where's your next book? Where's your next book? Like, I'm sick of hearing about the last one. Um, so I have one child, if you read any of my stuff and I, I, she'll, you know, I'll continue to post things about her, but 
I write a lot about her, her uh, fight with special needs and issues with her heart when she was born and just all the things that she continues to struggle with, but how she continues to just fight that good fight. She's the one. And then one of my other kids is, um, is super duper, super duper driven, very like knows exactly where he's going and like looks down at people who are like, they are slouches and he's going, stop slouching, get up here. And this is my 12 year old, like, get, get, come on, get, let's get going. Let's be your best. I know it's not your best. Like, he's that guy. And then I have another kid who's just super nurturing, very service focused, is not looking for awards, rewards, recognition. Uh, he just is there to serve and to, and to nurture others. And, and then I have another one who just, you know, thinks he's going to be the, the best soccer player in the world, you know, and all of them in their own right inspire me. So I would say them. And in most cases, it's them. They, they're the, the people who I'm inspired by the most. That's so beautiful. So, so beautiful. I love that. I love that. And just, Again, just a little bit about the books. I know you wrote a book previously, the, the Seven Intuitive Laws, I believe, in Employee Loyalty, and you said you're writing a second book. Can you talk a little bit about the first book and a little bit about what people can expect in the second book, Heather? Uh, so the first book, I really do, I kind of mix my legal background, because I do have a law degree. Um, I mix my legal background with my current state. So I, that's why it's the Seven Intuitive Laws. But it's intuitive because that's exactly who I am. I do not speak academics. So the book is not academic. Uh, now, I'm not saying there's not research behind it. There is research behind it, but it is more of an intuitive book that has a lot of heart in it, uh, and it's based upon the laws of employee loyalty and the things that, I, that I've come up with that you, if you do these things, you will retain your people longer. The second book, it's a work in progress, let's say, okay? So I thought I was going down one road, and I may end up pivoting a little bit, and that's just because of something that's enlightened me lately, but um, I am learning a lot from my podcast when I speak to leaders, and I... I think the brilliance exists in their imperfection. And so I, my next book will be focusing uh, on a combination of some of the things you've heard me talk about on the TED Talk and resilience and mindset and choice and leadership and how that impacts the, the employee loyalty. It's going to be more focused on that. Lovely. And before you let people know how they can get hold of you, Heather, what, what, if you're going to leave one little nugget of a message for our listeners who have joined, joined us this far, what would it be? Uh, you do have a choice. What, whatever that might be in your way right now that you might see as a barrier to helping you move forward in life, uh, helping you move forward in the workplace, being that better leader, being the better uh, coworker to your other coworkers. In the end, you can kind of take all of that stuff that's, that's serving as a barrier and wipe it away in your mind. You can wipe it away. And you can make a choice to be the better person, to touch lives and to lift people up. So that would be my parting message. Wow. What an inspiring one. How can people find you, Heather? What's the best ways to reach out to you? Uh, I would say probably my best way would be LinkedIn. I'm pretty, pretty prevalent on LinkedIn. So I would say there, I do LinkedIn lives uh, that accompany my podcast and I bring people on, but sometimes it's just me. So I would say following me there would be the best. And of course, you can always go to my website at customerfanatics.com as well. Well, I'll make sure they're all added to the show notes. And Heather, from one past podcaster to another, keep doing your great work and really, you're a real inspiration. Thanks for your time today. Thank you so much. It's been amazing. Cheers. Hi there, Gary Turner, your podcast host, wrapping up this awesome conversation with Heather Younger. I really hope you took away as much as I did from this conversation, but in case it's helpful for you, and thank you for joining Heather and I, 
here's a few of the, the, the key things I took away. One was when Heather spoke to the fact that my adversity is the thing that propels me. This is something I'm hearing more and more and more. It doesn't mean you need a problem. It doesn't mean you need to have had adversity um, to be the best version of yourself. But it just seems to be like myself, like Heather, like many others. People that have had adversity just seem to have a different energy and different drive behind them quite often. This also reminds me of the work of the amazing motivational speaker and facilitator Cornell Thomas, who you can find out more about back uh, earlier in this uh, podcast. Also, what I enjoyed Heather speaking to was that in most cases, the place I've left is because of the people I was reporting to. There are statistics of statistics after statistics showing that people leave uh, leaders and not necessarily the organization. Sometimes people like the organization they're working for, but that line management relationship is just too toxic for people. So I've got a question for you if you're listening for us in conversation here. What can we do to try and ensure that we don't have turnover of staff because of poor line management relationships? I'm just wondering what conversations can we be having? What experiments can we be running within our own organizations just to try and test what is the feeling uh, with regard to line management relationships where you are? I also thought this is really, really insightful from Heather. She spoke about the fact that it is our mind in most cases. And once we decide to step outside that and switch the script, we change our entire reality. This is a deeply profound, profound comment. And one I speak that speaks to our innate spirituality and energy that surrounds every single one of us on this planet is in the moment we can shift from the very same thing, giving us absolute frustration, stress and anxiety, and us feeling completely okay. And I love the example of someone cutting up on the motorway. The exact same situation 10 minutes later could, would appear to have exactly the, a different um, response to your thinking in the moment. However, if you play the exact same scenario and you have two different outcomes, what's changed? The only thing that's changed is your reaction, your, the story you've told yourself in the moment. So I just really love that reflection from Heather. I just want to listen, play that back for you again, just to just share the power of it. It is our mind in most cases. And once we decide to step outside that and switch the script, we change our entire reality. And this finishes beautifully with the final reflection I want to leave you with from this really awesome conversation with Heather. So much of this is mindset and choice. Mindset and choice. What does that mean to you if you're listening to this reflection? I'd really love if you wouldn't mind contacting me, uh, comment on social media, send me an email, gary.turner. That's G-A-R-R-Y dot Turner at the listening organization dot co dot UK. That's my email address. You can find me on Twitter at Gary Turner zero. You can find me on LinkedIn and I'd really love to hear from you. What's resonated with, with you from this conversation? What's challenged your thinking? Please do go and view the TEDx talk that Heather delivered. It's really powerful. I'll include that in the show notes. As always, if you have found this interesting, if this podcast has served, you'd be really grateful if you could leave a review. Um, on, on your favourite podcast app. But until next time, this is episode 85 with Heather Younger. My name's Gary Turner, and I truly hope that this conversation has served you in some way.